Well, good morning, everybody. Let me put my keys down here. I don't like having those in my pocket. Um, I'm glad you're here. My name is Chris, and uh, I am one of your pastors here, and, and I'm uh, the pastor, I guess, over everything, and I'm thankful that I get to be with you today, and, and uh, I, I tell you what, I love you. I love what the Lord is doing. I can't wait uh, we, we are, the ball is rolling to renovate this room, and I'm looking forward to the renovations that we're going to be able to do around uh, our Tulsa uh, campus here at our Calvary campus, but I'm thankful that you're here. It's Christmas time, right? Is your house looking like Christmas? Um, it, you, we're seeing Christmas lights everywhere, and you know what? What I'm noticing about Christmas time, I got more candy in my house. It's driving me crazy. I keep nibbling on that stuff. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, I need to realize, and I, I hope we all realize, that, that the 30 pounds you tend, to, you tend to gain at Christmas time is not a great idea. Right, Jonathan? Um, i got to work on that. But, um, and not uh, do those. You know, decorations are cool, and, and uh, I love the lights. Um, but, but you know what I'm praying this Christmas? That we, we remember that Christmas is about Jesus. You know, with all the distractions, there's a lot of distractions. Gifts, shopping, um, candy, uh, fudge. That's the worst, right? Fudge, it just calls to me. Uh, the fudge, if it's at my house, it's just like, just a little. And there's in such small squares, right? And so it seems like, oh, it's not that much. But when you eat about nine of them, that's bad. Um, but, but, you know, I, I'm, my prayer is that God uses us to remind our family, our, our, our church, our community, that Christmas is about Jesus. And that's my prayer. You know, uh, last week we, we, we started with Isaiah 9. And, and Isaiah 9 is... is uh, is a passage that I really want to challenge you to memorize, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. You know, memorizing Scripture is an important discipline. Uh, last night, we had a group of teenagers in my house, and uh, we were looking at, at, at Luke chapter 4, and uh, we'd just been walking through the book of Luke on, on Saturday nights with this, group, this small group of, of graduates. They're, they're going to be seniors, or they're all seniors and a couple of juniors. And, uh, and, and we were noticing about Luke chapter 4 that, that when Jesus was tempted, that was Luke 4 is when Jesus was tempted by Satan. And when he was tempted, you know how he battled that temptation? He used Scripture. He quoted Scripture. And you know, the, the memorization of Scripture is like, it's kind of like protein to a weightlifter. Or, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's like practice to a musician, you know. My, my son's a musician. He's always practicing. And, and, and you know, Scripture memory is a, is a powerful tool. I want to challenge you this Christmas season to do some work on memorizing Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. Now, uh, when you memorize a passage of Scripture, a good habit, a good practice is to state the reference and then quote the Scripture and then end with the reference. So I want to practice that today. Uh, Marsha is going to put Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. I want us to stand together and let's look at this. Let's, let's try to memorize it, okay? Can we do that? And uh, Isaiah 9, this is what it, what it is. So let's stand together. Together, let's read this, all right? Uh, we'll start with the reference and then we'll quote it, and then we'll end with the reference. You ready? Here we go. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. 
For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, you know, this passage that we looked at last week was kind of the coming of Christ from a, from a divine perspective. It was the God of all creation came uh, promised through Isaiah that a son would be born. He'd be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That was his name. Now, this morning, we're going to turn our attention to Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. Uh, and I think this Luke chapter 2 is, is famous. It's that moment when the shepherds uh, it was in Bethlehem, and, and we know the context of Luke 2. God broke the silence to this group of shepherds. And, and what's interesting is, is the, the Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 is, is the message of Jesus from this eternal perspective. But when you get to Luke 2 and you get to the shepherds, it, 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 it puts the, the, the coming of Christ uh, from, a, from an earth's angle. Okay, right? This is, this is Jesus coming to earth. This is more uh, understandable for us. And when you think about the, this, the, the announcement of Christ coming into history, it puts Jesus at a point in history, of our history, history of the world. That's significant. Because we realize that the coming of Christ is not like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? Or Santa Claus, this made-up story. No, the coming of Christ was an historical event. Jesus came to the world. Now, that's something we can't get away from. You know, a reasonable thinking, like C.S. Lewis says, a thinking person has to come face to face with, is Jesus really who he says he is? Because Jesus lived. He walked the earth. In the first century, he, he, we, we can look back like, like we can look back and say George Washington was the first president of the United States. That's a, a point of history. He was an historical figure. Jesus, you just got to go a little further than George Washington, entered human history. Now look at verse 8. You know, we, we understand this. It's a, it's a remarkable story. It's an unlikely story, right? It, it's, it's better than fiction. Truth is often better than fiction. And, and, and Mary is about to give birth to, a, to Jesus, and the law required her and Joseph to go to Bethlehem. And they were out of town. They were away from their normal accommodations, their normal uh, house, and they're traveling. She's uh, pregnant. She's Great with, uh, you know, my daughter, I, we, I don't know if I told you here, but, but I, I got the news uh, just a few weeks ago that, my, that, that I'm going to be married to a grandmother now. I mean, my, my daughter Emily is, uh, is, 
expecting. And, and today, I, I, you know, I look at my little girl who's now married, and, and I see this little bump forming in her stomach, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm married to a grandma. Like, yeah, how can this happen? Um, but, but, you know, um, Mary, great with child. She's pregnant. And the time came for Jesus to be born. Look at verse 8 in Luke chapter 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Look at verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. You know, isn't that interesting? When, when you look at the, the scriptures and, and you really see every time an angel shows up, I mean, we have this view, like I have an angel on top of my Christmas tree, right? And uh, it's beautiful. Oh, beautiful. And, oh, it's so pretty and, and, and so elegant. My, my angel's not scriptural, right? Because every time an angel appears in scripture, what, what is the, the first thing the angel says? Hey, don't be afraid. Hey, relax. Maybe go, you can go change your underwear later, right? Uh, you know, um, but verse 10, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Notice this. That will be for all the for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a great, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Now, when you look at this passage, uh, it's stranger than fiction, right? Truth is often stranger than fiction. And, and, and the first thing I want us to just kind of embrace and recognize today is you realize that the spiritual world is real, right? Now, now we, we're so modern, aren't we? we we're so sophisticated. But, but, but we need to recognize that the spiritual world is real. You know, we, we, we hear this, this term coming our way all the time. Hey, trust the science. Trust what you can see and what you can touch and what you can observe. But I think we need to recognize today, when you look at this passage, the, we, we, we see very clearly something that our modern minds, our, our sophisticated minds need to understand, that the spiritual world, is just as real as the physical world. Now let's notice this. Let's just process this passage. Uh, uh, you know, we, we see angels here. Angels showed up. And, and, and we, we know about angels. Angels were created, right? This is something that, that we saw, we see in, in, in the history of the world. We see through the Bible that, that angels were created. We don't really know when they were created. The Bible doesn't tell us. Now we see that, uh, you know, angels existed uh, before God took the formless universe. I mean, we, we see that he, uh, somewhere it seems between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, uh, angels were created. Um, now, if you think about it, uh, in the beginning of creation that we see in Genesis 1, there's no mention of angels, but by Genesis 2 and in chapter 3, there's Satan tempting Eve and, and, 
and, and we, we hear in Revelation that, that there was a rebellion of angels, and, and, uh, and, and we see this, that, that Matthew 22, 28 through 30, it, it tells us about a little bit about angels, that, that they were created. They don't, they don't uh, multiply, they don't procreate, they don't, they don't have little angels from other angels, um, we see this in Matthew 22. But, but what are angels like? Let's, let's try to piece this together for a second. Uh, uh, when you look at the scripture, all angels were created by God. And folks, let me tell you something. Angels are real. And when you, when you think about what the Bible says about angels, you, the, from all indicators, we see that angels don't die. Uh, Luke 20, if you want to write some references down, you can go check it out. Luke 20, 34 through 36, I won't read it, but angels, that, that tells us that angels don't age and they don't die. Um, but let's understand about angels. Uh, Ephesians 6 talks about the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We see that, that angels are limited in space and time. They, 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 uh, they can't be everywhere at once. You know, Satan's not like that. Satan is not um, omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. Satan's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at once. Satan himself is one angel. He can only be at one place at one time. But Ephesians 6 talks about they have a network. It's interesting as you think about the spiritual reality. You realize that angels are, are usually invisible, but they can appear. There's a really cool passage in 2 Kings 6, 15 through 17. Remember that passage? That was that moment when, when uh, uh, there was a big army that, were, uh, that, that the prophet said, hey, uh, those who are with us are more than that are with them. And he said, open his eyes, Lord. And, and he looked and he saw this vast army with him. How cool would that be? You know, so angels can appear. Uh, angels are more powerful than people. 2 Peter 2.11 talks about this, that, that uh, it's in Matthew 28, the angel rolled back the stone. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't think one man could have done that. You know, they had a group of men that put the stone there and one angel rolled it back, Matthew 28. In, in Daniel 6, we saw that angels shut the mouths of lions. How cool is that? Angels are more powerful. 2 Peter 2.11 says this clearly, and, but they're limited in their power. Let's think about the purpose of angels. Um, angels deliver messages for God, right? Luke 1, 13 through 16 tells us this, that, that it's angels that are called to deliver a message. And, and actually the word angel, it really literally means messenger. And so on this day, these shepherds were out in the field and, and a messenger came to them. And, and this message was so amazing, and, 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 and I, it's, a, it's a typical message that, that comes from an angel to people, because, you know, when you think about angels, they're called to minister to believers. They're called to minister to us, and, and, and you know, uh, uh, um, Luke 1, 13 through 16 talks about their messages. Hebrews 1, 14 tells us that they, they're called to min their ministering spirits to us. And, and when you think about angels, they guide us. Acts 8, 26 talks about how angels are called to guide us. Do you know that, that Luke 16, 22 tells us that angels are present when a believer dies? This week, there's a man in our church, one of our deacons, and um, 
he's, he's not far from going to be with the Lord. And I sat in his living room, in his bedroom, actually. He was back in, he was in his bedroom and hospice is with him. And I looked at Jim and, and you know what, what I noticed from him? He said, hey, Chris, would you just read scriptures out of my Bible? And I read Isaiah 43 just a few uh, days ago in his, in his bedroom. It talks about when you walk through the rivers, they will not overtake you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And he looked at me and he said, you know what, Chris, I'm ready. I'm ready. And you know what, as I was in his bedroom, I, I, could just, I could just almost imagine the angelic ministering spirits strengthening him. And you know what? When I think about and really process Luke 16, 22, I can imagine those angels ushering him to heaven the day he draws his last breath. And you know how we're to respond to angels? You know, the Bible tells us, if you ever see an angel, my grandma, uh, she would always say, man, if anybody comes to my house wanting some tea or something, need something, she's giving it to them. Because, you know, the Bible talks about we may entertain angels unaware, right? My grandma was like, hey, I don't care. Hey, you want some tea? Here you go. I'll give you a big old glass of tea. <laughs> well, I don't know why it was always tea. That was what my grandma had. And, uh, but, uh, but, but, you know, um, if you ever see an angel, Revelation 22, 8 and 9 tells you how you should respond. John was writing the Revelation. He sees an angel and he bows down to worship him. And you know what that angel said? Get up, man. Get up. We worship God. You don't worship me. So when you, if you ever are blessed to come face to face with an angel, Let's, if you and I are ever in that moment, let's look at that guy or that being and go, let's worship the Lord. Yeah. Folks, let me tell you something. The spiritual world is real. Yeah. Let's not miss that. Let's not, let's not cease to be amazed at, and let's not skip over as we look at Luke 2 and see the angels the angels broke the silence. Hey, look, there's going to be a day when we draw our last breath. And these things that are hidden will be seen. And I think that we're going to stand before the Lord and his throne and, and see how the angels worship and, and, and how they, they, they sing and how they interact with the king of all kings. And we're going to be like, whoa, whoa. You got to recognize that, that Christmas is not just a kid's story. It's not a made up tale. Jesus came pointing to the world that the spiritual reality of life a gift available to you. And when you think about this angelic message, let me tell you one thing about this angelic message. This angelic message is too big to be ignored. Don't ignore this angelic message. Miraculously, the angel tells Mary, uh, you remember that? The angel came and said, you're going to give birth to a son. But Mary, Mary said, I, I haven't 
been with a man. I've, I, I've, 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 uh, how can this be? Well, it's a, it's a miracle. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And, 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 and the, the angel says that the Most High will overshadow you. The child that you'll give birth to will be holy. The Son of God is who he is. Every baby in history prior to that moment, every baby that's born since that moment was born into sin, born as a sinner. I mean, as, as lovely as my grandchild will be, as much as I will love that grandchild, my grandchild will be born a sinner in need of a, in need of a Savior. You see, but Jesus was different. He was, he was, he was holy child was holy and that designation is significant and when you think about this announcement it's significant because salvation came to all people from God that's the the message that the angel said hey I bring you good news of great joy for all the people you know God is the instigator of salvation he's the he's the one that knows your name he he sees your life he he knows your failures he knows your struggles and in this virgin birth made it possible for for God for Jesus to be different holy fully God fully man and I, and I think it's Amazing that the shepherds remind me, this story in Luke 2, it reminds me that that Jesus came for all people. That's the second point I want you to see. Spiritual reality, spiritual world is real, but Jesus came for all people. All who would come to him could be saved. Look at verse 15 in Luke chapter 2. When the angels went away from them into heaven, I love what the shepherds did here. The shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They were like, hey, we got to go see this. And, and it, was, it was clear that it wasn't just the angels that made this known to them. It was the Lord that made, made this known to them because they, they, they saw in the angels, hey, whoa, whoa, we are a messenger from the Lord. And you know what? I, I think there's a lesson to learn here. There's, there's a challenge for us here in just what they do in verse 15. Do you, can, can I challenge all of us to investigate the coming of Jesus? Isn't that what our world needs to do? Let's investigate this. We, we have people in our lives that have never investigated. Or did, did Jesus really come? Oh my goodness, can I, can, can I pray for us that, that we are inspiring others? Investigate this. Look into this. And I love how the, the, the shepherds, they're like, hey, let's go see this. Let's investigate this. Look at verse 16. They went with haste. I love that. They went with haste. That means they got after it. They got it done. They were like, hey, I'm not waiting anymore. With haste. You know what they did? They found Mary and Joseph. They didn't know Mary and Joseph. They didn't know them. They were out-of-towners. They were visitors. But they went and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. You know what I've discovered in my life? That when I started investigating Jesus, I found him. 
and, and my, my prayer is you would investigate Jesus. You know what else they did? They, 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 they responded to the call of Jesus. That's worth paying attention to, right? You know, when you investigate Jesus, you, you, you're compelled to go, i got to respond to this. Now, now, you know, that's the mystery of God. How God works in our lives. How, how this, this, this call of God that leads to a response to God. And, and, and you know, man's free will and God's sovereignty, how do they come together? It just is one of those things we don't know. But as I look at my life, as I understand my, my, my commission from the Lord to, to go to the world, to, to, to challenge the world, go look to Jesus. Respond to his voice. And, and you know, these shepherds, they didn't have to go. They didn't have to respond. But they did. They investigated. They, they responded and they saw him. You know, what, what is God doing there? God is the one opening their eyes. And I've discovered as I've responded to Jesus in my life, the beautiful miracle of my response has taught me that God was called, drawing me and moving me the whole time. But oh, can I, that's a divine work, but but can I just look at you and challenge you? That we have a call to respond. Have you responded to Jesus? You know, verse 17, look at this. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them. You know, this is a, you know, shepherds, they're a rough bunch, right? You know about shepherds? They couldn't even go into the temple. They were, they were seen as outcasts. They were seen as not worthy. They, they, they were seen as kind of the, the social riffraff. They were seen as those that, that oh man, what, what? you're not even important. You're just a shepherd. Remember when, when, when God's people went to Egypt? Remember? They had to go to the land of Goshen. Why? That was outside of town. That was outside. Why? Because they were shepherds. And, and, and you know, shepherds has been historically a, a calling that is seen as dirty and not, um, not the non-educated bunch. The ones that just go and you're just the commoners. Boy, isn't it interesting that the first public announcement that the Savior was born came to some, the group that was most unworthy. I don't know about you, but there have been a lot of times I have felt like the most unworthy. Not very, just flat out normal. You know, when I look around this room, and I'm right with you. We're, we're normal. I was in a meeting uh, Thursday and Friday in Oklahoma City. 
uh, I was in a meeting with, uh, with some Oklahoma Baptist groups, and, and, um, and I actually stayed in a hotel downtown Oklahoma City, and it just happened to be the same hotel that the Los Angeles Lakers were staying in. And, uh, and I'm in the lobby, and, and I'm just like, we're in these meetings, and I'm coming out and, out and going to the bathroom a few times, and I walk to the bathroom and walk by, uh, it wasn't LeBron, it was the other guy. What? Yes. He's a pope. He's a forward, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a big guy. He's bigger than me. And I was like, huh? I looked at his feet. What's some big feet? And, and I'll tell you what, I, I felt pretty normal. And that guy was abnormal. And I, I almost said, hey, man, can you dunk? I almost asked him that. Um, but I thought that was really stupid, so I just said, hello, and that's it. And, um, but, but, but you know what? It's beautiful about Jesus coming to shepherds. Normal people like you and me. And you know what? I pray that even though you're normal, you see that Jesus came for you. And that even you could respond to Jesus. You know, I think it's interesting in verse 18 that all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them. You know what it tells me? They didn't just keep it to themselves. They didn't just go and talk to Mary and Joseph and go back and go, okay, that's cool. Hey, dude, that was cool, right? No, they went and told everybody. You know what I think my prayer is this Christmas for us as a church, for us, for you and your family and your our church, in this community, we follow the example of the shepherds and we make Jesus known this Christmas. Can I challenge us? Let's make Jesus known to those that we see and interact with and know. Look at verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen, heard and seen as it had been told to them. You know, the greatest gift that's ever been given at Christmas is Jesus. There's a reason we give gifts, right? And it's not just to an inspiration from a cheesy Hallmark movie. Anybody watched any cheesy Hallmark movies yet? You want to admit it? Don't admit it if you don't want to. It's okay. Jonathan, don't admit it. Um, but, but you know what? The reason that the world is compelled for peace at Christmas, the reason in the famous story in World War II as Germans and Americans were fighting one another and shooting at one another on Christmas Day, 
And one of the soldiers on one of the sides started singing. I think it was Silent Night. And men got out of their foxholes and came together on the battlefield and shook hands and met one another. Remember that story? You ever heard that story? You know, the, the only thing that can cause enemies to come together is Jesus. You know what? I was an enemy of God. And this story is so big and so magnificent that I, I can't help but investigate it. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Christ? Do you know what it means to know Christ? It, to, 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 to know Christ, to come to know Christ, you first admit you're a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And see, the beauty of that, the challenge of that, the struggle of that is that um, that's a problem. For all have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. But, but God demonstrates, Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love for us in this. That even though you were a sinner, Christ died for you. He says, come on up. Christ died for you. Jesus knew you and he saw you and he loves you. And see, Romans 6.23 still puts the problem, the solution starts to come into view as, as you see what Christ did. And, and, and Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, there's a gift the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And, and if you would just receive that gift, if you'd come to Jesus and, and receive it, do you know what Christ promises? Eternal life for you, the gift of life. You might say, well, Chris, how, how do I do that? How do I receive that gift? Well, Romans 10, 9 and 10 is clear. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Can I be so bold this Christmas to, to just say to you and ask you, have you received that gift? Have you been saved? Because no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how normal you feel, Jesus loves you and will save you today. Do you know him? Do you know him? We're going to have an invitation. And, and you know, you can't, I can't preach about the shepherds responding without looking at you and go, hey, have you responded? You might say, well, Chris, I, man, I don't want to come down in front of this group. Oh, oh you know what? Come. You'll, you'll, you'll never regret responding to Jesus. You can come and talk to me right here and we'll help you know how you can connect with the Lord. You can come after the service and talk to me. But what I pray you don't do is miss this moment. Maybe your response 
is to pray for family or friends or co-workers. Maybe it's a commitment. Lord, help me make you known. My prayer is that you would respond to Jesus. Would you stand where you are? Would you stand? Lord Jesus, we come to you. You are our Lord, our Savior, our King. You came. And I pray, Father, you would move us now. Thank you for coming to those shepherds that were not worthy, just like us. And you came and you, you changed them. Lord, thank you for coming for us. And may we, may we this Christmas be reminded that Christmas is about you, Lord Jesus. In your name, amen.